This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, yeah. Carlson, Welcome everybody to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys on Eric Carlson and their keeper pools. I am your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and with me in person, so we'll see how this goes, is a really good guy, Brian Com. He has a lot of nicknames, but you all know him as the co-host of Keeping Carlson. Brian Com. I already said your name. Here it is again, Brian Com. Hello, Elon Dubrovsky. It's so nice to be here live in person with you, and I got to experience all like the full suite of hand gestures that go along with the episode opening. Yes, usually I just see the big fist pump at the start. Today there was like a, a rolling forward motion made with your hands as you went. I really loved it. And I encourage everyone to become a patron and watch the live recording of this episode so you can see it for yourself. Worth the price of admission, people. Yeah, also you could hear uh, the intro before we started recording where Brian and I were arguing about <laughs> if it's pronounced Akari or Achari. I went to Elite Prospects. I tried to be responsible. There it's at a but then Brian listened to some goal uh, recap, like, you know, videos, and it was Achari. So we'll go with Achari. And then you asked why I didn't trust you when you said Akari, and I could ask you the same question. I told you on the last episode that it was Achari, so you didn't trust me. Okay, well, we'll talk about him, and we'll settle this debate in a little bit. Also, like, I feel like we're talking really loud, and I'm used to being able to turn down the volume when I feel like it's too loud in my ear, but here we're just going to have to go with it. So... First of all, we're presented by DauberHockey.com. It's the best fantasy hockey website out there. As everyone knows, I use it to prep the show. I'm always using the frozen tools, which include line combinations and player profiles where you get... I really like even just looking at the game log. is really easy to look at. Just like It's just a really good tool. Plus, you've got goalie posts for all the starting goalies. And then just the articles, day in, day out, daily rambings. Fantastic site, DauberHockey.com. But with that, Brian, why don't we get into talking about... Noel Akari, just kidding, JK, Noel Achari and the Florida Panthers. That's our number one headline of the week. After losing three games in a row, Florida coach Joel Quenville decided to split up their top line. It's been Barkov, Huberto, Dadanov like forever. Uh, but yeah, the results, since they've changed it, have been great. Now the Panthers have won three games in a row. They beat the Sens 6-1. to one. They beat Dallas 7-4. to four. They beat Carolina 4-2 to two yesterday. Here were the lines. Like you, you can't make this up. This is like weird, crazy lines. Barkov is now playing with Brett Connolly and Frank Vetrano. So all of a sudden, two third liners go up to play with Barkov. Then you've got Huberdo, Trocek, and Noel Achari. And then Hoffman, Dadanov, and Boyle. So you can kind of think of it as like Hoffman and Dadanov. You'd think they're good players, but also it seems like they're the third line especially based on the ice time the fantasy implications have been staggering 
Of course, the number one headline is that Noah Chari had two straight games with a hat-trick and then a goal yesterday. So that's now seven goals and one assist for Achari in his last three to go along with Huberto's two goals and eight assists in those games. This is in three games. Ten points for Huberto, eight points for Achari. Even Trocek got in on the fun on Friday versus Dallas. He had a goal and two assists. Nothing in the other two games somehow. It's because I own him on my cupful team and it's very frustrating because even when he gets in a better situation, he's not producing. But hopefully that'll change now that he's playing with Jonathan Huberto and this guy, Noel Achari. Brian, who is Noel Achari? Is it no- Noel or Noel? Oh, no. We're not going okay. there. Okay. Who's this Achari guy, okay? Along with these goals recently, he's also hitting and blocking like a defenseman. He's got 25 hits and 17 blocks in his last 10 games. Are we looking at a new Bangers League must-stream while he's on this line with Huberto? Well, we talked last week about how a short losing streak led to Joel Quenville taking out the blender in Florida and that we didn't see a real big reason for why the Panthers should be on the downswing. That maybe it was just happenstance. They'd lost a few in a row. But we were also watching to see if these lines were going to stick as a result, regardless of whether the blending was justified or not. And it looks like Noel Achari has single-handedly justified this blending, given Joel Quenville no other option but to keep them the way they are. Noel Achari is a guy who for his entire career to date, has been playing third or fourth line minutes with third or fourth line players. The former Bruins spent most of his time on Boston with guys like, I want to, I want you to, I want to know, Elon, how many first names do you know of this suite of players? Okay. Let's start with Schaller, Corrali, and Wagner. <laughs> Peter Schaller? <laughs> no, Tim. Tim Schaller. What's another one? Corrali. Tim Corrali? <laughs> Tim, Tim Schaller and Tim... <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe it could be all Tims. Sean. Sean. Okay, just why don't you continue? I, I clearly don't know. <laughs> and Chris Wagner. Not a Timothy in the group. <laughs> oh, wait, there was. I forget what your first guess was. Anyway, uh, when he was getting better line mates, Achari was only playing with guys like Tommy Wingles, Riley Nash, and Joachim Nordstrom. So never really getting anything to work with in Boston. And like, that's not rude to Achari. That's just the player he was that actually continued in Florida this year when Achari was playing with Colton Sevier and Dryden Hunt. Also a guy named Dominic Tony Nato almost the entire season up until this shuffle that landed Achari with his first pair of even legit mid six, let alone top six line mates in Trocek and Huberto. And for who is this Noel Achari anyway? Uh, undrafted, undersized. He's 28 years old already, out of Providence College. This is his fifth year as a pro, and he has 46 points in 212 NHL games. 30 of those points have been goals, and of course, nearly a quarter of those have come across just the past three games. But Achari is not a goal scorer. He just had 13 career goals in 75 AHL games too. So this is not someone who is a goal scorer or a big time producer. He wasn't even that in college. He's just a guy who has now scored seven times on his last nine shots, which is crazy. Flip that for a second. Only two of Achari's last nine shots haven't gone in. That's insane. So he's always been a hitter. That's good. And there's so, so there's some legit bangers value so long as Achari keeps seeing 15 minutes a night or more, which he's doing for the first time in his career. But that's about all that Achari can be relied upon to do. He had some face-off wins, uh, but now that Trocek is his centerman, Trocek is taking the majority of those while they are playing together. I don't know... Uh, you're chomping at the bit here. I get to see it in person. I don't know that Achari's a must-stream. I feel like... You could, like, this is one of those situations where we can be 90, almost as sure as sure can be that it's not going to last. Although I do like that he's playing with Trochek and Huberto, and maybe he can pick up some points as a third wheel in that context, but he is not the straw that stirs this drink. 
Okay, yeah. I mean, like, one in one way, you say that he has seven goals in his last nine shots. He's not going to keep that up. What about the fact that he has nine shots in his last three games in general? That's, like, very impressive. You say he's never done it before. He's playing on, like, the second line with Huberdeau and Trocek. I feel like some people could luck into points, especially the way Huberdeau's been going this season. So, I'm not saying... Like, I definitely it won't last. Like, this line won't last, I'm sure. At some point, Quenville's just going to go back to the regular Panthers lines that were successful and so great at scoring goals before. But for the time being, if you're in a bangers league, you could get a charge playing on this line like for next week you know we'll see what happens after christmas but for at least monday stream even though that's a busy day so you're probably not going to be able to fit him in but he's on my radar i wouldn't say that he's for sure not going to keep up the offense but i do agree with you that it's not going to last forever but he's definitely a guy you want to have on your radar and you know a couple other guys that you might also want to have on your radar are like the brett Connolly, frank vetrano like they haven't exploded like a chari but are in a great spot playing with barkov we're always into the players playing with barkov so those are other people that you might want to look at streaming if you're in a deeper league but then on the flip side now we've got our third liners, Mike Hoffman and Evgeny Dadanov, who have gone a bit cold lately. Dadanov has points in his last two, but was pointless in three before that. His shots are way down. Mike Hoffman, power plays since yesterday, but no shots, and he had no points in his previous three games. Should owners of Dadanov and Hoffman be concerned about this line shakeup? Like, is it time to sell while you still can? Or do you think that things are going to get back to normal and these guys will continue to be the valuable fantasy contributors that they were last year and earlier on this year? I get what you're getting at at calling Hoffman and Dadanov third liners, but I don't know that that's 100% true. The time on ice is pretty evenly distributed amongst the top nine forwards right now, except for Barkov, who's getting uh, like heads and shoulders uh, more time than the rest of that core. Um, but it's sort of like uh, Florida's running this very even balanced top nine otherwise. The good news for Hoffman and Dadanov, even in these limited minutes that they're seeing, because it has been a downgrade, uh, is that they still have each other, right? Uh, but each other is still not better than... I'm going to mention his name, because any, any when you talk about the Panthers, you're talking about Alex Barkov, and Alex Barkov is the player that both Hoffman and Dadanov have had the most success with and the most productive stretches with in Florida... And they don't have him right now. They only have each other. So you may want to consider selling Hoffman and or Dadanov. But I also still don't know. Like, I'm not buying in that this is the, the, the current line configuration is what's going to stick the rest of the season. Like, if Achari doesn't go off and pick up those two consecutive hat tricks or even one of them, are we even having this conversation right now? Or are we in an alternate reality where the Panthers just went back to the way things were? Because again, nothing was really wrong. So we know Achari isn't going to keep going off the way he has been. So you can explore trades for Hoffman and Dadanov because of the the, the deployment domino that's affected them because of Achari's success in these new weird lines. But I might even be looking to buy low rather than selling high on Hoffman and Dadanov. Okay, I guess that's right. The thing with Hoffman is he hasn't been on a good line for a while now. He's been playing with Trocek, who's a totally different player than we thought he would be going into like last season. At this point now, I'm seeing Dadanov's on a 61-point pace, so well down from what he did the last couple of years. Hoffman's currently on a 56-point pace, also not great. He had 70 last year. So I'm a little worried, but I do agree with you, Brian, that this probably won't stick. And maybe this conversation is just let's all just like get into the headspace of something weird is happening on Florida. And then let's check back in in a week or two after the holidays. There's going to be a long break. And let's see if things are different or they stay this way. Because if Achari stays there and these lines stay the same, then definitely I'm going to start getting more and more concerned about Dadanov and Hoffman and you know, more and more interested in someone like Achari. 
Uh, okay, so those are the Florida Panthers. Next, we need to go to Arizona, Brian. It feels like it's been forever ago, but it, we in the last episode, we were still speculating what was going to happen with Taylor Hall. Now we know Taylor Hall traded to the Arizona Coyotes for, what even was it, like picks and like some players I'd never Name heard of? one player in the Taylor <laughs> Hall trade. I can wait. <laughs> Taylor Hall. Okay, <laughs> so uh, Ben and I talked about this on a short shift on Tuesday after that first game. We had a late night short shift recording, which was a lot of fun. And now let's take a look. We've had two games. Arizona's playing tonight. We're recording this Sunday afternoon, actually, so we haven't been able to see what happens today in Arizona's game against Detroit. But so game one versus San Jose on Tuesday went well. Like Hall assisted on OEL's winner, uh, just like Ben and I discussed. Then game two versus Minnesota on Thursday, not so great. Like, sure, the new Hall-Kessel-Dvorak line, they did score a goal in the first period. Kessel scored. The other two assisted on it. Arizona ended up losing that game, though, 8-5. to five. Darcy Camper had a terrible, terrible game that ended with a lower body injury, and now he's week to week. Look, the worst possible night for Darcy Kemper owners. So maybe before rehashing the Hall trade to get your thoughts on that, I think we need to talk about the goalies here in Arizona. Like, how valuable does Auntie Ranta become to you in fantasy while Kemper is out? Like, Ranta, he's currently got five wins, 919 save percentage in 13 games on the season, though two of his last outings have been sub 900% save percentage. Uh, so that save percentage was 920 plus until recently. It's starting to dip a little. Like, I guess here's my question, Brian. Like, obviously, I know the answer is go grab Ranta. If you're in a league where you need a goalie and now Ranta's the starting goalie, yeah, you want to grab him. But really what I want to ask is, like, do you think Ranta's going to be able to actually pick up where Kemper left off, except now as a high volume starter? So like, even more valuable because he's going to play more games than Kemper would have? Or do you think that maybe Ranta's like not as good as Darcy Kemper and you shouldn't expect to have like a 920 plus save percentage from your Arizona goalie ad like you would have had if you just had Darcy Kemper? Auntie Ranta is super valuable right now. Arizona is still one of the better defensive teams in the league. And with Hall in the lineup, they likely just added a small handful of W's to the team number for their goalies to collect. And you know, I think the world of Ranta's ability as an NHL goalie, and I'm not at all trying to shade Kemper here. I'm not going to shade Kemper, but I'd have a hard time seeing Ranta not succeeding where Kemper has. Ranta's only played a third of Kemper's minutes since the start of last season, but has put up markedly better numbers than Kemper in that time. And that includes God-tier Kemper that we've been seeing for the last while. So in leagues where goalies matter, uh, Auntie Ranta's probably long gone. But if he's not, he is a must-own till Kemper is back. He's just that good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know you love Auntie Ranta and you think he's like that good, but goalies are so weird. I feel like if you have Auntie Ranta right now and you have people in your league that are like Brian and like obsessed with him, I think you could probably get a really nice haul for him and he'll probably be fine. But I'll bet you Aiden Hill gets in some games. Maybe he does well. Maybe it's not just Ranta plays every single game, you know, for the next two months or however long Camper is out. Hopefully not that long. He's only week to week. Uh, but yeah. I don't know, like, for example, Brian, that same night that Kemper got injured, Auntie Ranta was available for me in Tier 1 of the Kakuffle in Sweden, and I knew that if I wanted him, I'd have to put down a big bid. Ranta ended up going for $13. I think I put in a $0 bid, but I actually also, that same night, I decided I wanted to add goalies, and Corpus Salo and Koskinen were both in free agency. I ended up adding both of those goalies. I, I knew I wasn't going to get Ranta unless I bid big, and to be honest, I might be even happier with the guys I got. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like, I'm just, all, all that to say... Who knows with goalies? You can never predict it. I think that if Ranta is like overly valued right now in your league, now's a great time to sell him because first of all, Kemper will be back eventually. And even if not, you can't predict these goalies. Like it's totally possible that Ranta doesn't do like as well as Kemper did. Maybe he'll just be average. Sure, it's possible. But I like, did you hear the part where I said he's outperformed Kemper over the last year and a half? Yeah. Has he? 
in save percentage. That's, that's exactly what he hasn't played that. With. He hasn't played that much though. Like it's small sample yeah, size. No, he's played. Oh my gosh, were you? You were in list. <laughs> I was listening. We're sitting next to each other. I know he's you... played a third of Kemper's minutes. So yes, Kemper's played three times the minutes, and so Ranta has a smaller sample size, but his five-on-five save percentage is markedly better than Kemper's as is his goal saved above average per 60 minutes. So these are the two ways that I measure goalie quality, and I'm looking... And how's that gone for you in predicting (laughs) goalies in the past? Terribly. Yeah. (laughs) But if you want to try, and like all we can do is try and use the data we have to predict, and right now the data has said that Ronta has played better than Darcy Kemper. So Darcy Kemper has been this Uh, good. Let me ask you this, Brian. If Ronta's played so much better than Darcy Kemper, then why is Darcy Kemper continuing to get all the starts? Darcy Kemper has been amazing. Rick Tockett is an idiot, and he doesn't understand how to value goalies like you do? Yeah, uh, why aren't I a coach in the NHL? (laughs) I Um, mean, there's a reason why Ronta hasn't been getting all the starts. You're right, because he's been inconsistent in the starts he did get while Kemper has been rolling. I'm just saying, by aggregate, you take all the numbers. Of course. So I, I hear the argument, and sure, we've seen Aiden Hill come in and take starts when we didn't expect him to take starts before, so be mindful of that. And Kemper's, he's not, like, out for months, right? It's week to week. Uh, that was the the word on Rantanen's injury. I think he ended up missing, what was it, five weeks, give or take. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be a forever time span that Ranta has the opportunity to to get back in there. So yeah, if you are... Uh, looking to add him or wondering how much to sacrifice for him. It shouldn't be a whole lot, but like he's still someone I want to have. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I also just was postulating that if you could maybe sell Ronta, get like a Corpusala who will get to in a little bit and plus a little extra, might be worth it. Okay. What I've learned is that you are completely deaf to any even like barely criticism of Darcy Kemper. Uh, that's not how I'm feeling you at all. You didn't hear it. I, I, feel- I, I said it outright. I'm not even talking about Darcy Kemper right now. But we were, and you missed it. Okay. <laughs> let's go on. Uh, let's talk about some outjuries now, some happier news. Not an it- Oh, no, I guess I did want to talk about Taylor Hall a little bit with you, since you haven't had a chance to speak on him yet. Like, I'm sure if you heard my convo with Ben, here were our general takeaways, and I haven't changed any of them, so maybe you could just comment on if you agree or disagree with any of them. So, number one, we agreed that, like, Taylor Hall's likely going to be a point-per-game guy or around there. I don't see why not. Uh, Dvorak and Kessel should benefit from getting him at even strength and on the power play for however long they stick together. It's probably good for Oliver ekman Larson for the same reason he's going to get more exposure to Taylor Hall now. I wouldn't go too crazy for OEL, but obviously nice that he gets Hall on the power play. And then also we said that Keller and Schmaltz, even though they're not playing with Taylor Hall, they might benefit because now other teams are putting their best defense or shutdown lines against the Taylor Hall line, leaving Keller and Schmaltz to do their thing. And we saw it in that second game against Minnesota. Schmaltz had three assists. I think Keller had a goal or something. So uh, I'm kind of seeing it as good for like pretty much everybody that we care about on Arizona. Uh, What do you think? I think you just did a very concise roundup of the situation. You and Lewis handled it very well on Thursday. Uh, so if you want to hear it from me, though, this doesn't change Taylor Hall's value, right? So if you find a league mate who thinks it does for better or worse, then maybe you can try and take advantage of that. I think Hall being there really helps Phil Kessel, who's finding himself up the Gila River without a paddle after moving from star-studded Pittsburgh to the very sparse desert. You know, Taylor Hall can't be his Crosby, his Malkin, and Latang, but maybe he can be just one of those guys to help Phil Kessel make things happen at both five on five and on the power play. And then Christian Dvorak is someone we've been watching all year, all of the past like two or three years, to be honest, just waiting for him to get an opportunity to really sustainably produce. 
this feels like it. Like, this feels like it should be it now that he's flanked by two world-class wingers. So let's see if Dvorak can make the most of it. Also, I didn't quite answer your question about, who, like, you bidding on Corpusalo and Koskinen instead yeah. of Auntie Ranta. Did I blow it? I mean, well, you didn't because Ranta was worth so much more fab. So I think it was worth it for you to hold on to that fab. Ranta went for $7 in my couple division to short shifts Lewis. And there was only one other bid and it was for $0. Uh, so Lewis blew $6 unreasonably. But... Um, no, I didn't know. I think Cor- uh, Corpusala, we'll talk about him a little later on the show. But I think he's a good ad. Koskinen, I, I don't <laughs> think so. I think you might have wasted a move there. I mean, he did pretty well yesterday in the win over Montreal. Yeah, but you didn't you bench him against my advice? Well, oh, no, you played him. You benched Corpusalo <laughs> against my advice. Yeah, okay. It doesn't matter. I'm going to win my matchup. I'm thinking long term here. These little game day decisions are very difficult, and I don't like to stress about them too much. Uh, so we'll talk about these other goalies, but I guess we're not planning on talking about Corpusalo. So by the way... We are. Oh, no, Corpusalo, we are. Koskinen, they're very similar sounding names. <laughs> Miko Koskinen has been pretty darn good lately. I know Edmonton, I know you're going to say how like Edmonton uh, d- doesn't impress you and you think they're about to have a huge flame out. F- fair enough. I'm just going to say Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen do not split the games anymore. Like I think that Mike Smith has shown himself to be unreliable and I think that the coaching staff relies on Koskinen or at least right now they are. And I checked and through all of January, Edmonton doesn't have one back to back. So I think it's very possible that Koskinen's going to get a huge slate of games over the next month. Like the large majority of Edmonton's games so just for the volume I'm into Koskinen right now and then if he could just even keep up you know be average he's been like above average for a lot of the season if he could just be average that could be valuable in a lot of leagues that's why I'm interested in him yeah he's in 918 on the season and he's faced 30 or more shots in well actually like most of his starts I was gonna go back but almost all of them especially in his last 10 or 12 so there's great volume there. But what you're telling me, Elon, is you want a guy who's a 918 this year. So let's give him credit and 55% quality start percentage. That's great. Only two really bad starts out of 20 compared to last year where he had eight really bad starts out of 55. So better ratio so far this year there too. Uh, things are looking better for Koskinen this year than last, but he's still a guy that I can't quite trust yet. And he's also playing for a team that offers their goalies the 26th best protection in the NHL. Sorry, excuse me, 25th best protection nice. in the NHL. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, so, uh, yeah, I'm not, like, trying to go crazy about Koskinen, but I'm happy to have him and Corpusalo as new additions to my couple team, which is struggling trying to uh, make it to the playoffs and avoid relegation. But I won't bore you all with that. Now, let's go to... Some outjuries, okay? Some good news. Victor Arvidsson and Mikhail Granlund. Actually, this should be good news, but it's actually very not exciting news right now for Nashville Predators fans, or at least the fantasy owners of Arvidsson and Granlund, because they both returned for the game where they won against Boston yesterday, 4-3 to three in overtime, and neither of these guys did anything. And you're probably assuming the lines went back to something like Forsberg, Arvidsson, Johansson, and then like Duchesne with Yarncroc and Granlund. You know, like how it was at the start of the year when they were scoring all those goals, and I was really excited. Remember when we were talking about Matt Duchesne a couple episodes ago? I was like, well, just wait till everyone's healthy. Maybe things will be good then. Like, nope, the line's totally crazy. Like, just like Florida, basically. Like, Duchesne was with Granlund and Rocco Grimaldi. And then Forsberg was with Benino and Colton Sissons. And Johansson with Yarncroc and Arvidsson. The fourth line, Tourist, Craig Smith, and Colin Blackwell. Which actually sounds like a pretty good fourth line, you know, if you think about it. But <laughs> uh, the power plays also weren't what I would have expected. Like, it was like Forsberg with Benino, Smith, Tourist, and Eckholm. And then Duchesne with Yarncroc, Johansson, Ellis, and Yozi. 
So, like, I I don't know. What are we supposed to make of all of this? I guess, like, the responsible answer is probably just to say don't make anything of it because it's only been one game. Arvidsson was maybe just being eased in. They didn't want to give him the top deployment. He didn't even get any power play time in this game. Uh, maybe we should just wait and check in on the next show. But people want to know. So I will ask you, Brian, like, what are your thoughts on, like, specifically Victor Arvidsson, right? Like, he's now at 15 points in 23 games on the season. That's only a 53-point pace just above two shots per game, which is well below his pace from previous years. So, so far, it's been a disappointment from Arvidsson. And now that he's come back to like a very terrible line situation, at least for now, doesn't make me any more excited about him. So what are your thoughts on Arvidsson moving forward? Is he someone that you buy low on since he's having a disappointing season and didn't have a good game back? Or maybe is he someone that you sell high on based on like he still has the name value? You could probably still get a decent amount from Arvidsson. And just like a Mike Hoffman, like we talked about before, he might not be as good as we thought moving forward. We'll get to Arvidsson for sure. But first, these lines are a mess, right? And we sort of said the same thing about Florida last week. And there ended up being some real takeaways, like pick up Noel Achari (laughs) is something you should have taken away from last week if we really took those lines seriously. But I'm going to do the same thing and maybe make the same mistake here about these weird Nashville lines that you can't. I don't there's like I also can't read into them. They're kind of too big a mess. I can't make any sense of them or rationalize why they are the way they are. So there are six guys we could name with these new line combos in Nashville that you should consider because of their exposure. And then, you know, the usual Nashville big guns are all spread pretty thin. So my preference is to just wait before we really dig deeper, like we did on Noel Lachari. Noel so maybe you miss a huge week from Rocco Grimaldi. <laughs> and if we, I would love that because then our next episode would be called Rocco's Modern Life, which would be a great... Did you watch that show? No. Okay. But I, I'm, I, it's not as if I get any of the other episode titles <laughs> that you come up with. Uh, anyway, we'll see if Rocco... If anyone's going to have a great week this week, Elon, it's Rocco Grimaldi. I, I disagree, actually, because Grimaldi's playing with Granlin and Duchesne. I'd rather take one of the people playing with Philip Forsberg, right? I'm going to say Colton Sissons is going to have a bigger week than Rocco Grimaldi. I just picked the guy with the funnest <laughs> name that I want. Noah Lachari was the funnest name who got moved around in the floor. Yeah. This is how I'm making my decisions. Okay, well, uh, good to know next time I want to decide who to ask for <laughs> advice from. Uh, okay, Victor Arvidsson, though, is who you really wanted to know about. And before he was in He's on my cook-up full team. You know, there were already some red flags in his numbers. Two fewer minutes of five-on-five ice time each night this season so far for Arvidsson compared to last year. And this is actually the fewest... Uh, the the lowest minute counts of his whole career, aside from his rookie season. Arvidsson also has career low shot rates too. So he's hemorrhaging shots on goal, both because he's playing less often and he's also shooting less often in the minutes he does get. The upshot for Arvidsson is that he's shooting more on the power play than ever before, but that's really not enough to fully compensate for the lost shots the rest of the way at five on five. So Arvidsson is someone that, yeah, I'd consider selling high on him if you can before we see too long a continuation of these concerning numbers that we saw in his first 20 games of the season. Uh, Because once he continues that for another five or 10 games, and his value really does get stuck as being like a mid 50 point guy with about two shots per game, which is fine, but it's not like the 65 point pace that we were hoping for. You know, Nashville has felt like an offensive desert this year after watching so many guys there falter in reaching the expectations we set for them. Alex in the chat just said, I've been stashing Grandland and it sucks. Like that's a very apt way to, but it's funny because Nashville actually leads the league in five-on-five goals scored per 60 minutes. I know this is wild when they have only three players pacing for more than 58 points. This is like old-school Nashville we're talking about. This is Barry Trotz Nashville. uh, And of those three players pacing for more than 58 points, 
Two of them are defensemen. Can you name them? I mean, uh, probably Ekholm and Yosi. No, it's Yosi and Ryan Ellis. Okay. And who's who, and then oh, I won't I won't do test it. you on test okay. me. Philip Forsberg's another, and he's played six fewer games than like the rest of the team. And who's the other forward in the top four? Uh, I'm gonna go Nick Benino. I know he's been having a really good year. Reasonable guess, but it's Kelly freaking Yarn. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Like so, Granlund, Duchesne, uh Who are the Arvidsson? Jo- Johansson. Johansson. These guys have disappeared, and yet Nashville is not skipping a beat. It's been scoring by committee in Nashville so far. They just and need I- some goaltending. Yeah, they could use that. They have one of the worst performing tandems of the year so far. Uh, I'm also, but I'm not sure Arvidsson is going to be the one who's like, yeah, I'm going to take the lead here. Uh, it's going to be, it's looking very much like it's going to be scoring by committee in Nashville this year. So it's hard to expect more than 60 points from really anyone, unless you're, of course, Roman Yosi, Ryan Ellis, or Callie Yarncrock. Yeah, hey, Matthias Ekholm, uh, also a pretty good guy to own this year. But overall, yeah, it's pretty surprising. And maybe in the second half, things will level out a little bit. I'd love to see the lines get a little more normal. You know, I kind of liked the idea of Forsberg and Arvidsson getting back together and doing what they did last year. So, okay, uh, maybe after we've said all this, it might be really interesting, Brian, to go and watch a Nashville game, or at least watch it on TV. You know, see these lines, try to figure out what they are thinking. Uh, but seeing it live might be even better. So why don't I take a second and thank our sponsor for this week's episode which are our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is one of these ticketing sites that actually cares about the people who use it. They're not putting hidden fees all around. They're not having weird pop-ups and making it hard to find what you want. It's exactly what you would hope for in a ticketing site. You put your city that you're looking for, you search for your event, and then you get a nice listing. It's really easy to use. The app is fantastic. Then once you click into an event, you can see all the tickets that are available. You can sort by value. You can sort by price. You know, a lot of different ways to find the seats you want at the price that you are willing to pay. Brian, I have the app here open on my computer. I guess you don't call it an app when it's on the computer. I have the site open on my computer. And uh, let's play a game. Let's go to Nashville. Let's say you have the choice. You could either see a Predators game or you can see a basketball game. Belmont at Western Kentucky. I know You know how in the States people care a lot about their college basketball. And I'm intimately familiar with both Belmont and Western Kentucky <laughs> colleges. So you'll have to guess. So what do you think is going to cost more on SeatGeek for this upcoming weekend? You can see the Penguins at the Predators, or you can see Belmont at Western Kentucky. Oh my god. Like, this is... It should be a... Sl- like, from a Canadian perspective, <laughs> this should be easy. I did read recently about how... Uh, Nashville attendance numbers were kind of plateauing and like you know the the way when a team succeeds for so long at a such a such a level and then like fails in the playoffs and then fans are like okay well I'll just wait until the playoffs before I really get engaged or attached so maybe that's a re- but Pittsburgh's in town mm-hmm. um you know what I think would be the higher selling ticket someone sitting in this guest room right now with us to watch yeah, you think this so? recording live. We should try that. Uh, but my actual guess is the Predators game. You are correct. A few. By landslide. 80 <laughs> bucks to see Penguins at Predators. Only 14 to go see a basketball game. How about less than $5 to see that basketball game if you are a listener of Keeping Carls? And Brian, why don't you tell, us, tell our listeners how? Yeah, SeatGeek is going to give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just use our promo code. Uh, first, you download the SeatGeek app. Try it today. Use the promo code KEEPING for $10 off on your first purchase. That's promo code KEEPING for $10 off on your first purchase. Seat Geek. 
They're the geeks about seats. Yeah, they really care about seats. Maybe you could buy some standing room. I don't know. You'll have to browse the website for that. Let's go to some more outjuries here. So the Wild have had a few players return. Devin Dubnik, Jared Spurgeon. They were both in the Wild lineup. Jason Zucker, though, is gone. He's expected to be out four to six weeks. So let's take these one at a time, I guess. So Dubnik was in nets for that crazy 8-5 game versus Arizona that we talked about before. So he let in five goals on 40 shots. So not great. Not like terrible. Like 40 shots is a lot. Hey, it was good enough to get the win, right? Against a team that somehow Darcy Kemper like what seemed probably like a better start than getting Darcy Kemper against the Wild who had injury troubles like Zucker's injured who knows what this goalies I don't know okay anyways Definitely Dubnik was better in that game than Alex Stalock was yesterday on Saturday. He led in six goals on 28 shots in the 6-0 loss to Winnipeg. So, Brian, do you expect Dubnik to take over as the volume starter like last year, like we expected going into this year, now that he's back? Like, do you think Dubnik can improve on his 892 save percentage so far on the season? Because if so, maybe he makes a tempting buy-low candidate. If you need a goalie, you want to take a swing on someone. Like, we were pretty into Dubnik going into the year, even though he wasn't great last year. But I remember you talked so much about how Minnesota is really good at protecting their goalies and all Dubnik has to do is play average and now this year's been weird and he's was so bad and Stalock was getting starts but I feel like now's just a great time for the wild to reset give Dubnik a run of games clearly Stalock can't handle the job I feel I appreciate what you're doing which is setting me up for a slam dunk right this should be an obvious answer everyone's listening like oh come on like Brian just this is a, this is a gimme low-hanging fruit but we can never forget the ever prescient and ever trending hashtag AGAB no, that's not how you say it. Hashtag Agab. All goalies are bad. Yeah, except for Auntie Ranta. Except according for Auntie Ranta. <laughs> uh, so here's a secret. Since the start of last year, Dubnik and Stalock have been almost an identical goalie. Very similar five-on-five save percentages. Very similar goal saved above average rates. It's so sad that Minnesota shuts it down like no other team over the last couple of years. And they don't have a goalie who can come in and just handle what should be the lightest workload in the NHL. So I could see Minnesota going back and forth until one doesn't suck for long enough to get a small string of starts. I guess Dubnik is the favorite to be that guy who doesn't suck long enough. He's the incumbent. Maybe he gets a longer leash, but it's not a guarantee he's going to come out on top here, which makes it really sad, again, that a team that's ready to offer so much volume to one guy, like they just want a guy to run with it, and such great protection for that guy, can't find a guy to give all of that to. I would be afraid of starting either guy, night in, night out. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I'm, I've got Dubnik in a couple of leagues, and I had Stalock, like when Dubnik got injured, or I guess he wasn't injured, but when he missed time, I picked up Stalock, and now I have, you know, now I have both of them, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm just gonna drop Stalock, but then maybe I'm gonna follow suit quickly and also, uh, drop Dubnik. I hope not, but I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens. At this point, you'd still say that you'd rather have Dubnik than Stalock, right? Yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd take Dubnik, and why not take a flyer if he's available in your league and you're desperate for goalies? Like, absolutely. He could, uh, regain whatever is formed from now two years ago uh, because Minnesota gives him every opportunity to do so. Mike in the chat just said that he dropped Jones for Dubnik. Martin Jones for Devin Dubnik taking that upside on yeah. the better defensive system. The Sharks rank around the Oilers in in their expected goals against per 60 minutes at <laughs> five on five. So towards the bottom of the league while Minnesota's right at the top. Are you into that? 
Of course, because whatever the sharks are bad. Also, Martin Jones ranks among the Oilers in one of the most. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to finish that. But Martin Jones sucks. Okay, like I think Aaron Dell might be better than Martin Jones. Who knows? They're both bad. They're both bad. It's like a Dubnik. It's a very apt comparison. I guess if you're holding on to Jones, you're sort of like, okay, what's Bob Bugner going to be able to do? Are they going to shore up the defense somehow in San Jose? Nope. Give him a little better protection. I think Martin Jones with Devin Dubnik's protection. Uh, would be like a rosterable goalie. <laughs> it's hard to say, right? Yeah. Like yesterday, the Sharks lost again to St. Louis. Another rough game for Jones. I think Dell's getting the start today. So, you know, it, it continues with San Jose. I bought a San Jose hat last year. I was very excited that Eric Carlson joined the team. I thought I was going to become a lifelong Sharks fan. Join John Reed, good friend of the podcast. But I can't. I can't. Too many goals against. It's too frustrating to watch these games. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, there's still more players to discuss on Minnesota. So, Jared Spurgeon returned. Uh, two games so far, no points. Still on a 44-point pace on the season, and he's paced for 40-plus for each of the past three seasons. So, I feel like it's probably just going to land around 40 to 45 again this time. Like, you can let me know if you have an insight there. He's, like, kind of a boring guy to talk about. He's pretty just reliable. I think the big impact, though, of Spurgeon coming back is Matt Dumba saw a big dip in his ice time in the game that Spurgeon returned. He only played 14 minutes and 45 seconds and then yesterday uh dumbo played 19 minutes and 27 seconds but like dumbo's been averaging around like over 23 minutes a game on the season overall so i wonder if this is a sign of things to come dumbo's starting to get the ghost bear treatment so we'll have to see how long this lasts but yeah i'm a little more worried about dumbo though on the other side dumbo took five shots yesterday in that loss to winnipeg so i don't know maybe it's just time to stop talking about matt dumbo like i'm not sure whether to be higher on him or lower on him right now and i just feel like people keep having to decide because the thing is now people are starting to actually drop dumbo so now we're getting a whole new slew of questions about oh should i grab dumbo he's available in free agency and honestly i don't know i'm not too excited about him i'd rather have jared spurgeon but i don't know if dumbo's done just yet i don't know right just answer it and let's move on this wave uh, like this pattern of fantasy questions is always funny when you get questions for like a month or two about this guy really sucks should i really drop him these are the available guys and then like within a week or two of that it's like oh should i drop like dumbo was finally just dropped is he worth taking a shot on i am on team dumbo this year and i i sort of detailed that last week so i'm not going to go too deep into it but dumbo nothing looks like he deserves what he's getting he's still doing a lot of things well i think a lot of things are still going wrong around him and i trust that things will be okay for him in the long run so i I think he should at least be rosterable if you have the uh if you can afford having a guy like burning a roster spot on him for a short while i'd go for dumba jared spurgeon uh will move quickly on him Uh, he's on a 44 point pace but it's worth saying uh, that he is posting some of the best offensive numbers of his career this season. So way to go, Jared Spurgeon. He might even deserve another goal or two. So I think he could very well end up in the 45-50 point range, especially if this power play deployment holds. And then, well, you just asked me about Spurgeon and Dumba. Yeah, that's it. I'll ask you about one more player now. Uh, So with... Uh, Jason Zucker injured. We've got your favorite guy, Brian Zach Parise, who's, by the way, I just took a look. He's under a 50-point pace on the season. I don't know. Like, you've been, like, so high and proud about having him. Anyways, he's been better lately, of course, and now he's on the top line with Stahl and Zuccarello and also on the top power play with those guys along with Suter and Spurgeon. Should we assume at this point that those five guys will be responsible for most of the Wilds' offense moving forward with Zucker out? And I guess you think maybe Matt Dumba as well. Like, do you have any faith in Kevin Fiala getting back on the hot run he was on before the Zucker injury? Like, he was playing with Koivu 
Kivu and Parisi, and it was going really well for Kevin Fiala. Right now, he doesn't have either of those guys to play with because Parisi's been moved up to the top line. So to me, it kind of seems like it's just you want to probably get in on Parisi and Zuccarello and Stahl since they're going to be getting the prime deployment and power play, and then everyone else I'm not too interested in. Before you, I, I'm not going to let you get away with shading Parisi. My Parisi <laughs> is your Kemper, I think, <laughs> except Kemper is the better fantasy own. I will give you that. But Parisi's on a 65 point, you said 50 point pace on the season, but he's on a 65 point pace since the month of November. Like he had an awful start, as did everyone in Minnesota. In his first 13 games, he had three points, all goals, no assists. Since then, 19 points in 24 games. He is shooting a little high, so like he shouldn't quite hold a 65-point pace, but I think somewhere around 60 points is still a reasonable <laughs> expectation. It's so funny. Players. I mean, you could pick any time frame you want to make him look good. I'm looking at the last nine games. He only has five points. That's down back again to less than a 50-point pace. A 24-game <laughs> sample is longer than a nine-game or a, what was the first sample okay. in the season? A 13-game sample. Well, you I think a 37-game me- sample of the whole season <laughs> is probably the best sample size, wouldn't you say? Parisi <laughs> is God, all right? Uh, okay, Kevin Fiala, you asked me about? I mean, you could just say no and we can move on. I, I, unless you have reason to still believe in him, even if he's not getting good line mates. Maybe Fiala sneaks up onto the top line at some point. Like, I don't know it's set in stone, but he also doesn't fit that mold of being an older guy who once was good. And that's the type uh, between Stel Parisi and uh, Zuccarello. That's who's populating the top line in Minnesota. But I am keeping Fiala on my watch list. This seems like a great chance to see what he's made of. We've been... And seen believers in Fiala's potential. It's maybe too big an ask for him to produce with Ryan Donato and Luke Johnson. But if he does, it'd be really nice to have that clarity on Fiala being a roster mainstay from here on out. I'm not ruling it out. But I don't think I would hold on to him until I see like him starting to get the ball rolling. Yeah, and probably a lot of people still have him because he was on this great run for a few weeks. I'm saying drop Fiala. Yeah. And I guess you're saying the same, but to keep him on your watch list and see if he could do something with Johnson and... And who was it? Donato, yeah. The old drop and watch. <laughs> Another outjury. Let's go to Carolina. Eric Howla back in the Canes lineup. That's nice to see, right? He's missed 15 games with that same knee injury that kept him out for a lot of last season. Howla played on a line with Dezingle and Nichas. He had no points, but five shots in 15 minutes and 15 seconds. So that's pretty good. Minus two, not as good, but we don't care about that stat. Let's just blame that on Petr Mrazek. Uh, Howla was so great to start the season, right? He had eight goals and three assists for 11 points in his first 14 games before the knee issues started to flare up. Do you think that Howla can get back to that assuming he's actually healthy now or now with Carolina going with the more standard lines you know remember at the start of the year they were spreading things around they're spreading the power play around now it seems like the top players are all getting the most minutes and the best power play time will it be hard for Howla to get back to that because he's I don't know he seemed like he could be a really good player like he had that great stretch in Vegas a couple years ago he had a great start to the season I feel like when he's healthy he might be really really good but it's also just hard to bank on someone playing with like I said Dezingle and Nichas and you know both of them haven't been as exciting as they were at the start of the year either well right before Howla went down to injury I had officially joined Team Howla and believed in him and being a, a good player who from a good position in the lineup can put up 60 points and I still hope that's what he can do I don't know he's a 65 point player as he was through 14 games when Howla scored seven times on his first 25 shots of the year but I think Howla could be good for like 55 60 points especially if he can reclaim his power play spot that he had before being injured. The Canes at that point were running two even units. Uh, He'd been with uh, Teravainen, Svechnikov, and Dezingle on 1A or 1B, depending on what you want to call it. But now the Canes are loading up one unit 
And that hasn't changed with Howla's return. And he's not on that loaded unit. Jordan Stahl is, though. And you wonder if that's a spot that Howla can step into at some point. Howla is someone who I'm not rushing to add. Like, I might I might add him speculatively, uh, but I'm absolutely watchlisting him. Yeah, I think Howla, he's shown that he could be really, really good. And definitely he's at the top of my watchlist. And if there's ever a day where, let's say, I have an open spot in my roster and I'm thinking short term, and maybe there's even another player who's on a hotter run, I might still lean Howla just because he has potential long-term upside. So yeah, don't rush for him. But if you could sneak him in and then see if you might end up holding him, I think he's like one of those nice ads. I, I always like my free agent ads to be people who have the potential to stay on my lineup. But that does sometimes cause me trouble because right now in the cupful, I don't know who to drop. And I... Oh, <laughs> I'm so good at fantasy hockey. No, but... I just... But, like, I don't have, like, many superstars. Like, some, like, my team's amazing, but, like, all of the players I have in my roster right now, I feel like are rosterable, and I feel lame dropping. Like, I don't want to drop Philip Deneau. I don't want to drop, like, Christian Dvorak while he's playing with Kessel and Hall, but now I'm running out of people to drop. Uh, so maybe you should just be grabbing the guys at your Or maybe I just need to be less of a wimp and drop players. Uh, or people in Tier 1, offer me a two-for-one trade. I, I could probably use a trimming. Also, another player on Carolina who I wanted to bring up is another one of your favorites, along with Zach Parise. I wonder who you like better between Zach Parise and Nino Niederreiter. Close. <laughs> he's stuck on the top line with the red-hot Aho and Teravainen, and uh, Niederreiter has picked up a goal and assist yesterday. That brings him to seven points in his last seven games. I won't even bring up the numbers of Aho and Teravainen. You guys could all trust me that these guys are amazing, not even worth discussing because they're owned and their owners are very happy in fantasy, and they're probably going to be able to keep it up. But then you've got Nino. Uh, who would you take between Nino and, say, an Eric Haula? Maybe a more likely pair that might be available on the same team. Great spot for Nino, but Haula's had the better season so far. I'm going to take Niederreiter between the two. Of course I will. Uh, Niederreiter's on a power play unit to start with. He's on the second unit. Uh, but he's picked up two points in three games from that spot, which is nice. Obviously, I don't expect that to continue. But how can you not love Niederreiter as the third piece on the Aho and Teravainen line, right? I'm, he's still being used somewhat sparingly. He's not seeing top-line minutes, even though he's in a top-line spot. But it's really hard to pass up on Niederreiter, who's a talented player, getting that kind of deployment. So he's on my roster right now. If Howla were available, I wouldn't swap him out. But I'm open to doing that sometime in the next week or two, but I wouldn't do it today. Yeah, I agree with you. You're not going to drop someone that's doing well and playing with Aho and Teravainen, who are two of the hottest players in the league, of course. And uh, like I mentioned, by the way, not a great showing by Mirazik yesterday. He led in four goals on 22 shots. Reimer, in the meantime, shined in his last game versus Colorado, which followed that shutout of the Flames that we talked about last week. So uh, let's go, Rod. Let's give uh, James Reimer a chance here. I feel like he might be the better option for Carolina right Right now and i think uh, people playing fantasy might be running out of time to grab james reimer before rod brindamore starts to realize this i felt after last week's episode that i needed to rush out we talked about how reimer had been clearly the better goalie um and that i, I needed to run out and grab him but then I looked into it a little more and just saw how much Carolina seems to enjoy sharing the load between their goalies. At one point, uh, you know, Reimer looked like this guy who, like, how could you not keep giving him starts? And he was so hot. And then they're like, actually, it's, it's Mrazek's turn. Don't even worry about how good you've been. Uh, it's time for him to get another start. And Mrazek's been pretty good. Two recent starts of his were tepid. But overall... He's bounced back from what was an awful start to his season. And you have to look no further than last season when McElhaney was super hot and they kept going back between him and Mrazek for the most part. So that's why I think Reimer is a great fantasy ad, but he's almost like in the Robin Lehner tier where you should probably only expect him to play every other game at most. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess you're right. But still, definitely a good guy to grab for a spot start if yeah. Carolina's playing. They're a good team, and Reimer's really on a roll right now. Uh, he'll probably get the next game, at least, after Morazic just lost. Uh, let's go to another outjury in Columbus. Zach Wierenski returned to the Blue Jackets after missing seven games with a shoulder injury. Uh, Wierenski, two goals and one assist in his three games since returning, so three points in his last three. Six shots yesterday versus New Jersey, up to a 54-point pace on the season. Way to go, Zach Wierenski. Maybe he'll uh, keep that pace up and stay above 50 points for the first time in his career. I am actually liking what I'm seeing from Zach Wierenski this year. His five-on-five numbers look steady, but his power play production has risen, very much thanks to him scoring three goals on 16 power play shots, which is probably not something he's going to do every 16 shots on the power play. But in every way, Wierenski is putting forth the best offensive performance of his career at all strengths. It's not leaps and bounds ahead of where he's been as a 45-point player. But it's still going to move the needle a little bit for sure. So yeah, I do think Wierenski is going to hold above a 50-point pace rest of the way. 55 points would be a stretch, but it's just a handful of good bounces away, I suppose. But it's not what I would say my projection is. That's his upside. Yeah, well, hey, maybe it's going to be harder for him to get points if Oliver Bjorkstrand turns out to be injured. What a! I was so excited to come on this show and ask you all about Oliver Bjorkstrand. Is this guy for real? Now I find out that he got injured late in yesterday's game. So let's recap what's been going on with this crazy... Crazy guy, Oliver Bjorkstrand. He's completely gone off in the last four games. He has five goals and two assists in his last four games before suffering this apparent back injury in the third period yesterday. He didn't return. I'm really hoping he won't miss time because I'd love to see how long he can keep this up. He's been so good that he's become one of these players where you're interested in his line mates, like Boone Jenner and Gustav Nyquist are looking really great themselves playing with Bjorkstrand. I was going to ask you more about, like, of course you want to add Bjorkstrand right now, but what do you do about his line mates? Do you want to grab them as well? Now I guess we have to wait. But Brian, in general, are you an Oliver Bjorkstrand believer like is it crazy to ask at this point is Bjorkstrand the top forward to own in Columbus for the rest of the season and you want guys that are playing with him or am I like getting too head over heels after like a couple good weeks but like his shots are so good he's getting all these points he's on the top power play like I I love this guy but I don't don't have him but I love him I love I have him and I do love him and I also love that we asked this best forward on Columbus question like two or three episodes ago and it was at consider Nyquist and I was like oh you know it might be Nyquist or Dubois or Dubois but I I guess we were talking second best at the time I can't remember the frame exactly now that you mentioned that you've really thrown me (laughs) but that's fine but either way now obviously Bjorkstrand is clearly in the (laughs) conversation yeah I added Bjorkstrand to my roster a month ago in the midst of us having that conversation and I have been absolutely enjoying the ride go back all the way to november 19th and bjorkstrand has eight goals and nine assists for 17 points in 17 games he's averaging four shots a game nearly 18 minutes of ice per game he's actually played more than 20 minutes in four of his last 10 games which is wild like bjorkstrand is a guy we've been begging to get more minutes for the last two three seasons now he's finally gotten it and I love how he is taking advantage of this opportunity. Bjorkstrand has also ascended to the top power play for a lot of this stretch, now up to five power play points on the year, which means he's well on his way to breaking his career high of nine power play points. Wow, that <laughs> should be an easy mark. It'd be really disappointing if he didn't beat that. And underneath all of this scoring from Bjorkstrand are pretty sustainable numbers, backed by some huge shot counts. He has four or more shots in eight of his last 11 contests, and Nyquist and Jenner aren't the best line mates, but they're pretty decent for what's available in Columbus. So yes, Oliver Bjorkstrand, a must-own. I thought when I added him, I'd be streaming him out at some point, but now 
I could see him sticking rest of season, or at least for another month or two. To me, he's almost like, he's like the second coming and a slightly less powerful version of Jacob Vrana. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison, except Verona doesn't get on the top power play. Oliver Bjorkstrand does. Uh, but, you know, these analogies are tough. It's hard to get exact. If I, if I could think about it a little more, I'll bet you I could come up with someone. Uh, since we're on Columbus also, okay, so Cam Atkinson is injured. Uh, I don't know how long uh, he's going to be out until, like, he's going to basically miss Monday, and then we'll find out from there. We still don't know about Bjorkstrand also. So we'll be back to you in our next episode to update on some of these injuries. Uh, I did want to bring up Eunice Corposalo, who we talked a little bit about before. He's played in seven straight games now. He's now on four games in a row. He's up to eighth in overall Cupful points amongst goalies. I was just looking. So Cupful, the Keeping Cars Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, we count. It's pretty simple for goalies. It's 0.35 for a save, two for a win, negative two for a goals again. So wins are okay, but really it's more about volume and putting up a decent save percentage. And Corpusalo, top eight in the league right now. Insane. Uh, clearly, Torts is liking Corpy over Elvis, right? I'm trying to get into the Columbus Blue Jacket fan speak here. He's liking Corpy over Elvis right now. Corpusalo was given the second game of a back-to-back on Tuesday versus Detroit. You'd think that's an obvious game to give to the backup goalie against Detroit on the second half of back-to-back, but no. Then with Corpusalo, then on Thursday, Saturday, I'm sure he'll go again on Monday, and who knows for how much longer, obviously, until he doesn't keep winning. Uh, Corpusalo's 29 games on the year now tie him for second in the league. Uh, he's tied with Anderson, Price, just one behind Hellebuck. Are you expecting Eunice Corpusalo to continue to be a high volume? starter for the rest of the season like going into the year we were like debating is it going to be Corpusalo? is it going to be Merz Lickens we thought maybe it'd be like a 50-50 thing which means neither goalie has much value now I'm looking at Corpusalo as like one of the goalies I could depend on to give me the most games played and you know with Kemper injured uh Bishop and Bennington seeding more starts to their backups lately like it's possible Corpusalo could end up as a top five goalie in the Cupful by the end of the year. So, Brian, of course, this all depends on Corpusalo still getting starts and also still playing decently like he has been lately. So, are you a believer in Eunice Corpusalo? Do you think he can keep this up to some extent? Is he like a must-own for sure? Like I said, I added him out of free agency just this past week. Now I'm talking about him as a potential top five goalie. Yeah, after having bragged about added and held on to Bjorkstrand, I need to admit that I added but did not hold on to Eunice Corpusalo. I had him earlier in the season. I dropped him. He was picked up by Teach Me How to Dougie in Kakupful Tier 2, who has not let go of him since November 19th. But but Corpusalo was a, a free agent for a week, uh, and that's when everyone had a chance to get him because I don't think he's going to be a free agent again this year. Keep in mind, like we talked about Minnesota and Arizona as good defensive teams. Columbus offers the third strongest goalie protection in the league so far this year, and Elvis has not mounted any kind of challenge. Some might say that he's left the building. So I would love to see Corpusalo get to run with the job. There's no reason he shouldn't get that opportunity. We saw how the Blue Jackets ran Bobrovsky. We know they're okay with a workhorse setup. So Corpusalo could be the next Bob, or at least the next workhorse in Columbus. I would love to see him get a long run like he's doing, see what happens so far. The returns have been great. Yeah, so definitely someone that you need to have if he's available in free agency, even if your league is shallow for goalies, and especially if you need starts. Uh, so I'm, I'm just even so curious to know when is Elvis Merzlikens going to even get his next game? It doesn't seem like Tortorella has any interest in doing so. Uh, let's do a couple injuries now. Brandon Saad is going to be out a couple weeks with an ankle injury, which isn't so bad for Jonathan Taves. Like Taves and Saad were playing well together, and I was at first thinking, oh no, like this is going to be bad for Taves. He's on a nice little run, and he and Saad seem to be clicking. But yesterday, the Blackhawks had the lines shifted up midway through the game, and by the end, we had Taves playing with Patrick Kane and Dominic Kubalik. So this is like good news for Jonathan Taves and his fantasy owners. Taves had a 
great game yesterday. One goal, two assists versus Colorado, a goal and an assist for Kubalik. Obviously playing with Patrick Kane, who's like on an above 100 point pace. You know, that's how you get some points. And right now, Taves and Kubalik are there. We'll see if that lasts for the next game. Of course, this means that Debrinket and Dylan Strom not playing with Patrick Kane, potentially moving forward for a little bit. Those two have actually been split up from each other as well. Brian, I gotta say, I'm getting a little bit concerned about Alex Debrinket at this point. He's already been off the Patrick Kane line for a few games even before this sod injury and now only has one assist in his last four games do you share my concern with Alex Debrinket, or are you thinking it's like total buy low time like I was so into him going into the year and now I'm starting to feel like oh, this, if this guy can't secure his deployment then I don't think he might he could be like the 70 plus point guy that I thought he was going to be a lock to be going in I share some concern with you that things are not the rosiest in Debrinket's deployment right now, but I do think he's going to be okay. Of course, I would rather Debrinket play with either uh, Jonathan Taves or Dylan Strom. He was almost always with at least one of them last year, and I don't think that's going to end now. It looks like the lines were all over the place in the last game for Chicago, and that there's still dust to settle. I'd be really surprised if Debrinket and Strom are separated for any length of time, especially if they're not succeeding away from one another. Because if you're loading up Taves and Kane on the top line, then you're going to need some secondary scoring. So it would serve Chicago well to make sure that Debrinket and Strom are in places they can produce. Whether they're apart or together, I don't think is the question. It's just a matter of where they're going to have success. So I... I I don't care. I think Debrinket is going to succeed. I think he'll be put in the place to succeed, whether that's with or without Strom, whatever. So you're saying buy low right now on Debrinket. Put a trade offer to the Debrinket owner. You think he's going to be fine? I'm going to do it right now. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a little nervous. I got I to I gotta say, that game yesterday was crazy, right? Colorado was winning going into the third, and then Chicago scored four unanswered goals to come back. So obviously they were happy with this new setup. But of course, also Brandon Sod might be back at some point, and maybe they could go back to what was working for them before. Uh, so some other injuries. I feel like, Brian, we probably don't need to dig into some of these because there's this three-day break coming up, and there's going to be another break for New Year's. And so I feel like a lot of these players are going to have times to heal before we even come back and do another episode. And so maybe all the stuff will be out of date very soon. But in the meantime, I'll run through like a bunch of these how about and then you could just tell me which ones you want to dig into if any okay okay but before we leave chicago has anybody noticed that eric gustafson is back he has five points in his last six games uh still averaging a ton of ice per game has 13 shots so a couple per game nice hits well you know one at least one a game and sometimes four or five and then a block here and there so he should not be languishing as a free agent in any format oh dude i feel like we covered this like four weeks ago saying that people should get back on the gustafson train and if somehow you still have the opportunity to do so great if you have him good job like that's a really nice guy to have gotten out of free agency midway through the season now on the top power play and doing very very well almost a point every single game over on chicago over half a point per game in the last 20 so that's like six weeks of solid performance from Gustafson. If you dropped him and you didn't get him back, sorry. That's a shame. Sorry. I mean that. It sounded really rude, the sorry. It's like, I, I don't need to rub it in. When you play the game sorry and then you <laughs> knock someone back to the start, how do you say it usually? Uh, I, it's been a long time since I played sorry. Okay, I like to do the Canadian, like, sorry. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> really try to be as annoying as possible. I think they should be a sponsor. That'd be nice. Yeah. Milton Bradley, I think, is the company. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, so uh, I have some injuries, and I was going to ask you for permission to just burn through a bunch of them, and then you could comment when you want, okay? Permission granted. All right, so we got Ricard Raquel had an upper body injury yesterday, so he didn't play today versus the Rangers. Oh, yeah, there was a game this afternoon, like an early game. I think the Rangers were destroying Anaheim the last time I checked. Oh, yeah, 5-1 to one right now, and the game's almost over. But Raquel wasn't playing. That probably didn't help Anaheim. I think Getzlaff also has the flu, so their lineup, not too great. Not surprised that the Rangers had their way with them. 
them. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Raquel. Hopefully he won't be out for long uh, because he's a big part of this team. Though, Brian, by the way, uh, Henrik and Silverberg w- did pretty well yesterday in the win over the Islanders. And Jacob Silverberg's up to six points in his last seven games and a 57-point pace on the season. So I just always need to point that out. Always. Since you hate Jacob Silverberg and he keeps producing, you keep saying he's probably not going to keep it up. And he does, just keeps doing it. Yeah, I hate Jacob Silverberg, you're right, and it just burns me to the core to see him succeed. Yeah, okay, then we've got Anthony Mantha, who was hurt late in yesterday's game against Toronto. He was wrestled to the ice by Leafs defenseman Jake Muzzin. He appeared to hit his head on the ice. Mantha's being evaluated. He isn't expected to play Sunday nights. This is what I'm reading off of Roto World, so not good. He just came back from an injury. Now, if he hit his head, we might have a concussion, or I don't know, so that really sucks, and we'll have to wait and see what happens in Detroit there. Uh, Jonathan Bernier also injured. He had a groin injury. Jimmy Howard, though, is coming back and he's expected to play in today, Sunday's game. So still, like, there's no way we're recommending for anyone to grab Jimmy Howard, even if Bernier's gone and Howard's going to get a bunch of starts. He stinks, right? He has an 887 save percentage on this on the season. Or maybe he doesn't stink, but him in combination with Detroit really stinks and I would stay far away. Yeah, it's a terrible combination. Detroit ranks 26 in the NHL and expected goals against at 5 on 5 30th and expected goals four at five on five. So that comes out to a 29th place rank and expected goals for percentage. So that's like what share of expected goals do you get at five on five? So Detroit ranks 29th there. Uh, the Rangers rank dead last 31st. Can you guess? I would give you 15 guesses if you want them. Guess who's 30th? So what's the question? The worst team at letting in goals? The, no, the, the team that has the worst expected goals share. So that's like, you know, if you're uh, like a team could have a 40% share of the expected goals. Oh, of what? all goals that are expected to be scored, how many belong to, to what a percentage? certain team? Yeah. Okay, and you're saying the two worst were Detroit and the Rangers so <laughs> no, far? No, I'm saying Detroit is ranked 29th, right. Rangers are ranked 31st. 31st. Who's sandwiched yeah. between them? I was listening, by the way, this is for the listeners who probably <laughs> zoned out for a second, so I want to make sure they're going to be on top of it for this game. Okay, let's go San Jose. No. Uh, so you're saying you're going to give me a million guesses. You have 14 means, more guesses. I'm going to be surprised. So I should pick teams that I consider to be pretty good at defense. Boston? No. Okay. Uh, Calgary? No. Mm, let's do Dallas? No. <laughs> Florida? No. Los Angeles? No. How many guesses has that been? Uh, that's maybe five or six. Montreal? So this is a team that has a terrible combination of both bad defense and poor scoring. But you, oh, I'm getting thrown off because you're saying that I, you, I need so many guesses. So I feel like it's going to be a team I wouldn't <laughs> expect. So that's why I'm just throwing out random teams. Montreal? Did, did I already no. guess that? Yeah. Uh, New Jersey? No. Let's do Ottawa? No. <laughs> <laughs> Pittsburgh? No. Uh, St. Louis? No. Tampa? No, this is like, you're up to 9 or 10. Washington. No. Winnipeg. Yes! Ah! I can't believe you got it! (laughs) Boom! Wow, this guy, such a smart co-host. Boom shakalaka. Nailed it. Uh, So yeah, uh, so Winnipeg, surprisingly garbage in expected goals share, but Detroit is also very much expectedly garbage in expected goals share, so I don't want to own a goalie uh, for that team, especially with the way that Howard himself has struggled this year. I guess there's hope that a vacation did him some good now that he's back from injury, but Jonathan Bernier has actually been the better goalie in Detroit this year. He's outperformed Howard so far, so if Howard doesn't step up, there's no guarantee that Howard's even going to be starting every night or every other night. Yeah, Calvin Pickard is there. We'll see what he can do. Uh, (laughs) Hey, Brian, I have a really rude question for you, okay? (laughs) 
like, for once. Because yeah, Winnipeg's doing really well this year, yeah. right? They're 21-13-2. They're right at the top of the Western Conference. So is it is it the rudest? Like, doesn't that say something maybe about this stat about how they're calculating expected goals? If like, is it just because Connor Hellebuck has been so good that's made up for? Like, Winnipeg, as far as I can tell, scores lots of goals. They don't let in that many goals. So how are they so bad? Or so good, you mean? Oh, like how are they so bad in this expected goals? Yeah, but so good in the standings. Uh, well, one reason is because they have a top 10 shooting percentage in the league. So uh. even if they're taking a lot of shots that shouldn't go in, uh, like it's not an obscenely high expect. Like it's sort of in the realm of what you'd expect a team to have over the year. The bigger reason is, yeah, their even strength save percentage is incredible. They have the fourth highest team save percentage in the league, driven by Connor Halibut. So they have a 933 team save percentage at five on five. Only the Coyotes, Islanders, and Colorado Avalanche have a higher team save percentage of 5-on-5 this year. We'll actually get to Colorado goaltending in a little bit. Uh, Let's keep going through these injuries. So just like in Detroit, we've got Ottawa. Similar situation, right? Like, Nilsson is out, but Craig Anderson is ready to come back, so they can just sort of swap there. Apparently, Anderson's going to be good to go on Monday versus Buffalo. Anderson's been better than Jimmy Howard on the year. He has a 901 save percentage, so not so, so terrible. Would you be into Anderson at all, saying a league that counts saves while Nilsson is out? You know, at this point, Craig Anderson is probably similar to what we said about Anders Nilsson. He could face a ton of pucks, which is great. And Anderson could also be superhuman in some of these starts, which is also great. But he could also just totally wither under the barrage of shots he faces. Uh, Anderson's quality starts percentage has been between 40 and 45% over the last few seasons. So he's not someone you can rely upon. So anytime you start Craig Anderson, he's a dice roll and be prepared to lose it all. Yeah, I've always been a fan of Craig Anderson, especially in seasons that it's an even... Was it even-numbered seasons that he usually does well, or odd-numbered seasons? He had this every-other-season thing going on, but for the last three, he's been having a pretty rough time. So I think that pattern's over. Yeah, I guess. Ottawa had some rough games recently, though they did make it to overtime yesterday against Philadelphia. But yeah, I'm, I wouldn't be betting on Anderson. Just leave him in free agency. You could probably find better options. Tweet at us, at Kevin Carlson. Let us know who's out there if you're considering streaming in Craig Anderson on a busy night against Buffalo. Uh, so uh, Cam Atkinson, we discussed. O'Brien, Alex Radulov is day-to-day with a lower body injury. Justin Dowling centered Ben and Sagan on Friday's game, at least to start the game. Doesn't even look like it lasted. I see that Sagan, Pavelski, and Hint were a unit for a while so like usual impossible to predict Dallas lines even harder when there's an injury so hopefully Radulov isn't out for long um then okay one more injury I'll bring up well let me stop in Dallas for a sec sure okay like I just want to point out that the lines still seem to be in flux like you mentioned uh Justin Dowling centering a line. I don't know how long that's going to happen. I, I hope not long because that's like just fantasy dead weight in a spot where there could be some fantasy value. And that's where we think of Rupe Hints, right? He's been one of the players most hurt by this coaching change that's happened. He was seeing 16 minutes a night under Jim Montgomery in his last three games. 13 minutes, 9 minutes, and 13 minutes under Rick Bonus. I'm hoping this is just some tough love because he's a talented guy. Uh, he's fun to watch. And I think he's got top six or even top line upside. He's still on the top power play and still getting those turns on the top line. Uh, he just needs to show something or a little more. He might be a total snoozer, let's be honest. But he might be a decent sneaky ad for next week when Dallas is one of the few teams playing three games over four game nights. Uh, So 
he's on my roster right now. He probably has one or two games left to prove he's worth the spot. Like he's right teetering on the edge, but he's someone who might have been dropped to free agency that could be worth a speculative ad if you see those uh, minutes creep up. Yeah, like I said, at the end of last game, they were rolling with Sagan, Pavelski, and Hints, from what I can tell. So obviously, if that sticks, that's a great spot for Rupe Hints. Maybe he should call up like Norm McIver and Sylvan Turgeon to get a <laughs> reference call in to Rick Bonus. Maybe that'll help his case. Yeah, I like that idea. How many <laughs> inaugural season sends do you think you could name? That might be close to the end. There was a Brad. Remember Brad Bra- Marsh? Brad Marsh. Brad Shaw? Both. Lori Boschman? I mean, obviously, Chris you can Luongo, do it. You're obsessed with the sends. Peter Sidorkowitz? Oh, yeah. All-star goalie. Mike Bales. Wasn't Peter Storkowitz in the All-Star game? I think before he joined Ottawa. No, no. I think every team had to send a player oh, to the All-Star <laughs> game. I'm pretty sure it was Sidorkowitz. He was the player who had to be sent because he faced 70 shots a night every time they played Pittsburgh. I also recall, but that was back when the NHL had a bunch of goals. I think Norm McIver led the team in points with like 50-something points for a defenseman. It's like, a, that would be an All-Star, like, celebrated player right now. But uh, no one knows. Mark Norm Lamb. McIver. Yeah. Oh, good one. All right. This lamb sells condos, but that's a different <laughs> lamb. Uh, I wanted to do one more injury. Probably not relevant. Josh Levo is out long-term with a fractured kneecap in Vancouver. Uh, Louis Erickson got on the second line to start yesterday's game with Horvat and Pearson. He had no points, no shots, only played nine minutes, and I'm seeing the lines changed midway through. So, nice. Thanks for showing up, Louis Erickson. And then Jake Vertanen took over mid-game, and he actually scored a power play goal, like, separately. That was from the second power play, but maybe he's someone that should be on our radars if he's going to be on that line with Horvat and gets whatever the second power play time sure well first off let's all curse Louis Erickson together like he's been an okay guy he's in a rough situation but he did he's the one that concussed Thatcher Demko in practice so for him to get a turn on the second line ludicrous what kind of team management is that how do you reward a guy well, they just maybe wanted to put him in a place where they knew he wouldn't succeed just so they could embarrass him. <laughs> Make him feel really bad about himself. And then Jake Vertanen with a power play goal. I'll put him on my radar, but I'm not that excited to have on my team right now because playing with Bo Horvat has not been the boon we thought it'd be lately, namely because Horvat has struggled during much of the month of December. A goal and three assists for four points in his last nine games, 21 shots in that span. That's okay. But on the whole, yucky for Bo Horvat. And I've also seen some comments lately about his weak defensive play and how he needs to step up that way before, like, for him to really be a top contributor to the Canucks. I'd say that this is a good buy-low moment for Bo Horvat, but I'm also second-guessing whether Horvat really can do it all for his line without at least one bona fide top-six winger with him. So I don't know that I'm just racing out to get whoever plays with Bo Horvat, as we sort of suggested a couple weeks ago. Not to race out, but we said consider. Uh, prove me wrong, Bo Horvat. Drag two guys along with you with whatever success you have, but I'm not going to add a player. Like, I'm a little more reluctant to add a player today than I was two weeks ago just because they're playing with Bo Horvat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, this is a very deep league discussion. Like, Jake Vertanen, is he worth adding? Like, definitely not under most circumstances. Horvat had six blocks yesterday versus Pittsburgh. So he's doing what it takes to win, right? They won four to one. So if the offense isn't going, at least he could get in front of some pucks. Uh, I'm glad he didn't get injured. Let's do some hot streaks now to end the show. Always the most fun. Brian, how about Max Domi? He scored in his second straight game versus Edmonton yesterday. He's up to six points in his last five. Brings Domi up to now 55 point pace on the season. Much better than how it was looking beforehand where I was pulling my hair out having spent money on him in the couple tier one auction to get him on my team just to ride my bench on busy days. He's gotten to the point now yesterday 
I had Domi in my lineup and Mike Hoffman on my bench. So here's how things are going for my couple team right now. Do you think that Domi might be able to keep this up? Is this recent run looking like an indication that maybe 70 plus point Max Domi from last season is back? Or do you think we still have to wait for Jonathan Druin to come back before he'll become a like actually reliable player that could do this multiple times a season? I think both of those things can be true. First, it's nice to see Max Domi off the schneid. I think he is going to be fine getting back on pace for 55 or 60 points. His upside is higher, um, but I'm confident that he's still a 55, 60 point player because he was colder than he deserved to be. And maybe Max Domi's owner is feeling like trying to sell him off while he's hot now after enduring that awful, awful cold stretch. And if that's happening in your league, I would definitely consider trading lo- trading for Domi, trying to buy low on him if you still can. Uh, he'll probably beat his current point pace rest of the season and should very likely be helped by that Jonathan Duran return, which is scheduled to come in January. We don't have Ooh. any more specific info than that. But I just saw in Roto World, he's expected to return in January. Well, my birthday is January 13th, <laughs> so that would be a nice present. Uh, also, if someone wants to get me a nice present, I'm the Domi owner. I just said that I want to trade two for one. So if someone wants Domi and uh, Mike Hoffman in tier one Sweden, send me an offer. Maybe I'll consider Brian. If, they, if I get like Dylan Larkin, do you think I should take that? Oh, for- well, Dylan Larkin's a whole other can of worms. All right. So we'll go. Okay. I shouldn't. I'll ask you this offline. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right now, Domi's playing with Armia and Lekkonen. So it definitely would be nice to get Druin in there to replace one of them. Though Armia's been pretty good for sure. Uh, let's talk about Justin Falk finally starting to wake up and show glimpses of that high shot on goal defenseman that he was back in Carolina. And as I was writing that, I was thinking, like, it's crazy that I'm already nostalgic for Carolina Justin Falk. That's just so how far he's fallen in St. Louis. But looking good lately. Check out these last five games of his. He had an assist and two shots versus. Versus Vegas, and then a goal and five shots versus Chicago, then an assist and four shots versus Colorado, then no points but nine shots versus Edmonton, and then another assist and four shots yesterday versus San Jose. So we're looking at four points in his last five games and four plus shots in his last four games. Where is this coming from, Brian, with Justin Falcon? Do you think it can, can continue? He's also started to get power play two time again. Remember, he was bumped for Colton Pareko for a while, but now it looks like Falk is getting back the deployment that we expected him to have going into the season. He's shooting. Is it time for people to rush to Adam if he's still in free agency and it's in a league where defensemen are hard to get? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know exactly where all this is coming from for Justin Falk. I don't know what switch he flipped, but I know better than to ask too many questions about it. I'm just happy it's happening. I can tell you that what he is doing doesn't have much to do with Falk's second power play deployment that he's recently gotten because most of these shots that Falk is getting are coming at five on five. Speaking of the shots he's getting, those shots, let's be very specific. Falk has as many shots in his last four games than he'd gotten in the previous 13 games combined. So I would love to see that continue. He also had this random five-hit game against San Jose on Saturday. So look out for hard-hitting Justin Falk all of a sudden. Uh, This makes him, like, forget the hits, but the hits are a nice bonus um, for anyone who has him available because Falk is worth rostering in all formats right now. I'd have a short leash if I had him on my roster, but it's hard to pass up on a defenseman that is suddenly showing a pretty nice amount of value, especially considering what the other replacement options might be. Wow, so you're, like, buying all in? Like, this small sample size? Like, four games in a row of taking lots of shots? Now you're saying he's worth taking it in all formats? 
Yeah, go get him. I mean, like, it depends who you're dropping, of course. And there's some shallower leagues where he might still not be an addition, but he's someone that I'd be very happy. He's available in all of my leagues right now. Oh, so so. go get him. Okay, I guess. He's gone in my cupful division. Yeah, okay, so maybe I will. I don't know. I was expecting you to say, like, Elon, sample sizes, stats, nerdiness. Like, you can't just base a decision on, like, Nola Chari, you're like, forget about it. And then Justin Falk, you're like, drop everything and go get him. Well, I'm not saying drop. I specifically said don't drop everything to go get him but you should really be considered like all these shots alone could win you a week of and course if he could keep it up like, where were they where were they all season i don't know but where were oliver bjorkstrand shots all season until he turned on something a month ago yeah i guess i guess shots is like the, you know we can't predict shots we also can't predict goals but at least goals we can sort of try to predict by looking at the shots at some point we get to the atomic level of fantasy hockey where we can't predict it we just have to hope that it happens and like observe what's happening and follow patterns and when you're a defenseman taking shots that like a lot of the goals of those shots and like the metaphorical goals not the actual goals you score but the the point of taking those shots is to create rebounds right so you're taking more shots uh, there's more opportunity for someone to bang home a rebound. Yeah, and that's pretty good. You take a shot, you get a shot on goal in fantasy, then someone bangs in the rebound, you get an assist. Wow. Twofer. Like wow. I, said, I guess a goal and a shot is also good. Okay. A goal and an assist is even better. Well, then you, you need to take at least two shots to do that. <laughs> Since we're on St. Louis, Jake Allen, Brian, has played two games in a row now and was spectacular in both. He stopped 35 of 36 versus Edmonton on Wednesday. Then he stopped 34 of 36 yesterday versus San Jose. Both wins. Really seems to me like a timeshare is coming, which would be a nightmare for Jordan Binnington owners because Binnington's been good. But if Jake Allen's so good, I feel like I'm getting deja vu. I probably talked about this like just last week. So I just wanted to point out it's still happening. Like Jake Allen might be good now. Maybe he just didn't need all the pressure. And I think if I was running the St. Louis Blues, I'd be going 50-50 for as long as this lasts. Not only is Jake Allen destroying Jordan Binnington in performance, but he's also beating 51 other goalies in five-on-five save percentage. That's right. Jake Allen. Allen ranks second amongst all goalies who've played at least 500 minutes in five-on-five save percentage behind only Tristan Jari and Anton Hudobin. They're actually three goalies out in the front pack there. Uh, And Jake Allen also is ranked similarly in goal saved above average per 60 minutes rates. And so he's absolutely deserved more time. It feels like the timeshare is already here, he and Bennington have been alternating starts more or less for a month now. There's been this slight lean to Bennington in total starts since then, but you wonder if that goes away while Jake Allen is playing the way he is. But then you're in a situation where it's almost like a catch-22 for Jake Allen because he's shown he can thrive, like when he was sharing time with Brian Elliott. He can he can be in a shared role and do really well, but not while starting a larger share. So if you own Allen already... I almost wonder if you're like, oh, no, please don't start more. Like, once every other game is fine. Right. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. You might not be able to handle it. Right. So who would you rather have right now for the rest of the season? You can only have one and you have to hold on. Jake Allen or James Reimer? Oh, that's hard. I was ready to hear Eunice Corpusalo and I was going to go Corpusalo. If I had to pick between Allen and Reimer... Because I see them both in a similar situation. They're both doing so well, but they are they were the backups going into the year. And even if the starter isn't doing like better than them, they're, like, they're doing worse, but it still seems like the coaches are going to play the starters more. So I see Reimer and Allen in similar situations. 
I think I would go Reimer, but it would be very close. Just because, like, Jake Allen has broken my faith so many times. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so for people, you know, connect the dots. If you were into Reimer, maybe you should be into Allen and vice versa. Uh, let's go to another potential impending timeshare. Not a great showing for Philip Grubauer versus Chicago yesterday. Like I said, he and the Avs imploded in the third. Four goals against in that period for a 5-3 loss. Grubauer's actually been going back and forth between good and bad starts lately, which isn't that good. And meanwhile, Pavel Fransuz has won his last three starts, letting in only one goal in each of them. Fransuz is now up to 10 wins and a 934 save percentage in 15 games on the season. So Brian, like, I'm getting to a point where I don't see how Jared Bednar can justify not giving Fransuz, like, at least half the games while he's on this run so they can see exactly what they have in this guy, right? Like, Philip Grubauer still never played a full season as a starter, so I don't know how they could justify just playing Grubauer so much more and it looks like already Francis is getting more starts I don't know it's such a crazy situation it's kind of like another example of hashtag Agab all goalies are bad because I thought Philip Grubauer was going to be one of the candidates for the Vezina this year like starting the season Colorado was looking so good Grubauer was on point now here we are a couple months later and we're talking about him potentially losing starts to the backup goalie and him struggling lately so there you go that's fantasy what do you think about the situation in Colorado? Would you be nervous as a Grubauer owner? And should people be grabbing Francis if he's available in free agency? Philip Grubauer has been fine, but Pavel Francis has been better. So if he is available in free agency, I, I think you got to go for it. I've also seen an oddly equal number of articles throughout the year saying like, there's been one half that's saying Philip Grubauer has finally beaten the misconception that he's not a starter. And finally he gets to blossom and bloom. And he's the number one the apps have been looking for. And then the other half are just like, Grubauer still has not convinced the Avs that he can be their number one guy. And that Francis is doing a great job of pushing him. Not both these things. I don't think, I don't think they can both be true. Um, but I think it also points out as to how much, Colorado was ready for Grubauer to run with it and how good a job Francis has done of pushing him and making the abs question whether that's really the route they want to go. And, you know, Colorado doesn't offer their goalies the easiest workload. They're somewhere in the middle of the league. So Francis deserves every bit of praise for the performance he's been putting forth. Uh, Good for him for trying to make his mark when and where he can. And if you're a Grubauer owner, this might be a good time to try and get that cuff just in case. Yeah, or and if you can't, then just run around flailing your arms in the air because there's not much you can do. Brian, how would you... Let's add Francis to this ranking. Reimer, you had over Jake Allen. Where are you going to put Francis? I think I'll put Francis uh, between Allen and Reimer. And that's just because if Jake Allen does play more, I don't think he's going to hold it together. Right. So uh, Reimer at the top because I think he's most likely to at least split time the rest of the year, more likely than Francis is, than Francis because he's going to put up good numbers. Uh, but he's got a really big challenge and really usurping uh, Philip Grubauer and then, well, Allen, because I already said why. Yeah, I actually think that James Reimer of the three has the best chance to like start game one of the playoffs yes. for Carolina. But, but Carolina doesn't even care about, like, they might still alternate all season long by the time playoffs start your pool is over well yeah i'm talking about the actual nhl playoffs i was trying to make a hockey comment saying that oh. james reimer might we start don't do g- those on the show <laughs> okay uh can i add in one more goalie situation to watch sure uh in chicago robin laner started back-to-back games for just the third time this season and i've been a laner owner in the cupful for a while And I was actually really, I was teetering on the verge of dropping him because his starts hadn't been that great lately. And, you know, you have to divide the amount he gets by two to get his per game number. Uh, So if he gets five points in a game, that's really two and a half points per game because he's on the bench getting zero for another. But then he goes ahead and starts two 
in a row, does really well in both of them. And then you look at what Corey Crawford's done recently, and it's like, yeah, why wouldn't the Chicago give uh, Laner a start? Corey Crawford has laid an egg in, let's see here, I'm just, I'm doing this on the fly here, uh, in six of his last seven appearances. You know what, I should say five of his last seven appearances have been sub-895. One has been 914, the other was fantastic, a 967 win at New Jersey. Yeah, it doesn't uh, count. No, it doesn't count. So I wonder if there this might be a tipping point because the Chicago Blackhawks have been really consistent all year long. Game for Crawford, game for Laner, like clockwork, like what the Islanders were doing until whatever happened over this past week. Um, and here we are with Laner getting his third set of back-to-backs of the year. So I just wonder if this might be a moment where Laner starts starting more often than Corey Crawford. Yeah, it seems likely. I'm still very interested to see what's going to happen this summer because Laner's going to be an unrestricted free agent yeah. once again. Do you think that so far this foray into Chicago has boosted his value or taken it down? Because I think he's proving that he's just as good as we thought he was last year like no one expected him to play as well as he did last year because he's on such a worse team right so like great job robin leonard betting on yourself and so far looking really good yeah you know how concerned i was about how robin laner would look in chicago but the fact that he's in chicago one of the worst defensive teams in the league and putting up a 926 save percentage incredible i i do wonder if he's gonna stay in chicago you know like he wanted to stay with the islanders because they gave him a chance and they screwed him over because they wanted varlamov for whatever reason instead uh now that now chicago's given him a chance i wonder if they're going to want to sign him on for whatever cost he'll command yeah i mean you're poo-pooing varlamov like he's been pretty darn good this season well the islanders have been very good at protecting him yeah but varlamov has also he's been good but we should but laner would have been better of course come on well or at least the same yeah uh, by the way, the Islanders, yeah, they broke that pattern for the first time in the whole season. Varlamov got two games in a row and shows them, right? They got <laughs> beaten by Anaheim, like, 6-5 to five or whatever it was. So take that, Islanders, like, and uh, you know, as of someone who owns Grice in a couple of leagues. I was like, <laughs> yeah, now give Grice a couple. Let's get things even again, and let's get back to what was working, okay? Like, just because Grice had one bad game doesn't mean you want to blow the whole thing up. Let's go. Kemper had a bad game. Well, and he got injured, but like you know, I'm sure that he would have gotten the next game regardless. Uh, let's do a couple more hot streaks, Brian. Who's this guy, Matt Roy, on in Los Angeles? He's a defenseman, and he's got seven points in his last eight games. Is there anything here? Like, who is this guy? I already know you're going to say like forget about him, but I feel like I need to ask because he's a player on a hot streak, and people are wondering. People are wondering, and for good reason. I think people also might be wondering, no relation to Derek Roy, oh. former Buffalo Saber and Nashville Predator, and I think Edmonton Oiler. Any Derek. relation to Patrick Roy? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Matt Roy was a seventh round pick back in 2015. Uh, that's 194th overall. He was like the 27th last player to be chosen. So just barely got a taste of the NHL. And he's actually uh, proven worth that seventh round pick. He's been okay so far in his pro career. Matt Roy, uh, he's 24 years old. He had 29 points in 45 AHL games last year, and that earned him a full-time spot with the Kings this year. And he's been seeing better deployment over the last month, and that's because Alec Martinez got injured, and he's essentially stepped into those minutes uh, because while Martinez was in the lineup, Roy was seeing about 17 minutes a night. Now he's seeing about 20 minutes a night. Uh, as for what it means for his production, you're right. I'm going to say this isn't going to continue. I wouldn't expect him to do better than Alec Martinez's production, which is like maybe 35 points a, night, uh, a season, but maybe we can expect that. So he's someone worth watching in leagues where Alec Martinez was worth owning. Maybe he can provide some kind of value there. 
Okay, so basically, for the large majority of people, just forget about <laughs> yeah. Matt Roy. He's not going to get another seven points in eight games or whatever it's been. Uh, earlier in the year, there was this guy, Sean Walker, on L.A. doing really well. It's like, this is the year of random L.A. defensemen showing up on our radars and then quickly disappearing. So I like, feel like that's every year. Oh, okay. So who would you take moving forward, Sean Walker or Matt Roy? Oh, God. Okay, forget it. Okay. <laughs> By the way, uh, Jonathan Quick, since we've been doing some goalie talk, he's put up five quality starts in his last six games, and he's won three of them. I don't know if anyone's noticed this, but Jonathan Quick, still overall on the season, not good because he had such a terrible start but maybe he's starting to bounce back a little bit and I like to see you know as he's approaching the end of his career I didn't like the way he was going out just being like absolutely terrible and at one point we were talking about if he's going to get sent to the minors at one point a la Corey Schneider so it doesn't look like that's going to happen looks like Jonathan Quick has got his job as a starter for at least the rest of this season and maybe not even the most terrible option to spot start or like in a deep league where you need a goalie and he's somehow out there like he's not as scary to me right now as he was before like Brian do you see Jonathan Quick as like a Craig Anderson type where you were saying that like you have to be super afraid every time you start him or do you have him a little bit higher Nah, he's right around there i I don't know if you need to be as afraid uh because la is actually a top 10 uh, defensive team this year so quick has that going for him while anderson decidedly does not so you can hope a little more for a good start from jonathan quick if you want to spot him uh more than you could for craig anderson yeah and kind of a bummer for jack campbell right like a lot of us thought going into the year that this was going to be jack campbell's year to prove that he's a really good goalie deserving to be potentially a number one in the nhl but no he hasn't been that good jonathan quick has been better so there you go. You, did, you, you blew your chance. I want to try this next guy. Who was the name of that guy that came up last year from the minors and did really well for a stretch? Cal Peterson. Yeah, I want right. to see him again. Yeah, let's see him again because Jack Campbell did have his chance this year. 893, which is actually not so much worse than Jonathan Quick, but a 23% quality start percentage, which means out of his 13 starts, just 23%. Elon, what's the math on that? Four of them? Sure. Four of those 13 starts have seen him put up a league average save percentage or better. The rest have been big, fat eggs. That's a shame. Scrambled eggs. Okay. How do you like your eggs? Over easy. Yeah, I like over hard. Actually, I only learned about it recently, but I think it's really nice. But not too hard. Like, I don't want it to be, you know, like dry, but I, I kind of like having a little bit to I like mush onto. Right in between. What's between easy and hard? Medium. Easy, medium. I mean, obviously. Over, o- medium. over medium. That's a real thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh,. <laughs> Imagine if this is how I talk normally with friends. <laughs> uh, what's next? Okay. Let's go next to New Jersey. Uh, we got some fallout from the Hall trade that we didn't consider, actually. I didn't even consider the possibility that with Taylor Hall leaving, the power play would get shaken up, meaning that P.K. Subban would get another chance on the top power play. But that is what's happened. They've gone back to a three-forward, two-defenseman configuration. So they've had Heeshear, Hughes, Palmieri, Vatnin, and P.K. Subban getting another chance to produce. And he even picked up a power play assist what? What year is this? He did it. He got a power play assist on Friday versus Washington, though nothing yesterday aside from a shot and a block versus Columbus, and he was minus two. So I definitely am not ready to say that P.K. Subban is like a guy you have to rush to add just because now he's on the top power play. I'd imagine maybe you will, Brian, but I'm I'm still not into him, but obviously I have to bring this up. It's, it's a nice situation for him, maybe an opportunity to bounce back, but I'm kind of over him at this point. I'm more into like Matt Dumba. I'm a little embarrassed that we didn't see this coming, at least like New Jersey trying a defenseman on the power play with that open spot after Hall's departure. Uh, like, who 
there really aren't a lot of candidates to be more of an offensive. There is than they, I, Nikita Gusev. They should have because they <laughs> Gusev was already there. They bumped Gusev and he wasn't performing. He was. He was doing okay. I, I guess you're right. I don't know. So now like uh, Jack Hughes is back on the top power play. Yeah. And Nikita Gusev not even there. I still think that Gusev will probably bump Subban in the next little while. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you look at that power play and it's like, does it does it even matter? Do right. five Devils? really perform better than any other team's four players. It's It's been a rough year in New Jersey, so keep that in mind. But if you're looking to give P.K. Subban another turn, this is a reason for why you might. Uh, interesting stat of the week, Elon, and this was a tweet, I think, by Shane Cordell that brought it to my attention. Will Butcher had a power play point on Wednesday. That was the first time a defenseman other than Sammy Vatnin had picked up a power play point in New Jersey this year. Uh, and now Subban isn't on the action, too. So for anyone keeping score at home, New Jersey Devils, defense, power play points, Sammy Vatnin, six, Will Butcher, one, P.K. Subban, one. So I'm seeing that there's a Damon Severson and Mar- Mirko Moeller get sometimes a little bit of power play time on New Jersey. So do you think one of them will get one before the year's over? I should hope Severson does, at least. I don't know about Mirko Mueller, yeah. who was once like a touted uh, San Jose prospect. Oh, Mueller. Uh, we've seen some signs of life from Kevin Hayes and JVR over in Philly Hayes scored yesterday in the win over Ottawa and he has three goals and seven assists in his last 12 games then James Van Riemsdyk popped two yesterday against the Sens for his second straight two goal game he has now nine points in his last seven both of these guys are playing on a line together with someone named Nicholas Kubel Aub uh, so that's obviously a nice even strength situation if both of these guys are heating up and JVR of course is still on the top power play so Brian is it time to jump on either James Van Riemsdyk or Kevin Hayes if they're out there in free agency or have they been quiet for so long that you'll still need to see some more before you're ready to buy in if Kevin Hayes is available to be jumped on in free agency uh, go get him like that's a big if because he's been good for a while Kevin Hayes has 26 shots in his last seven games playing 18 minutes a night but only shooting under 4%. He's actually up to 13 points in his last 16 games for Kevin Hayes going back to mid-November. So he should not be floating around in free agency, especially now that he's moved on from uh, Joel Farabee and, and old man Scott Lawton to having a surging James Van Riemsdyk by his side. And JVR is uh, someone we've been trying to to talk ourselves and everybody else into grabbing and thinking, hey, this might be the start of something. And uh, you've been hearing us talk about like how we want to like JVR, but the shots just weren't there. Well, now he has four shots in each of his last two games. So he's ticked that box. He's scored four times on those eight shots. So, uh, you know, he's not going to keep scoring quite at that rate. But I like Hayes and JVR playing together. This is the second line I'd predicted seeing in Philadelphia at the start of the season. And it's good news for both these guys. Yeah, were you also predicting that they'd be playing with Nicholas Kubel Aub? Totally. Yeah. Who, uh, you'd have, come on, who didn't know that? <laughs> so that's pretty cool. You're like more into Hayes than JVR. I thought you'd say JVR is the one you definitely have to jump on because he's on the top power play and doing even better lately. But maybe he's shining like too bright that you're worried he's going to flame out while Hayes has just been consistently good for the last little while. Yeah, I mean, Hayes has been better for longer, but JVR hasn't had the opportunity for as long as Hayes had, right? He had those 10, 11, 12 minute nights that he was stuck in. So it looks like he's emerged out of those. I, I like them both equally right now. I might prefer JVR by just a smidge because of his winger eligibility and that top power play time. But both these guys, well, Kevin Hayes needs to be owned because like he's obviously like 
should be at the top of a free agent list if he's on it. JVR might still be sneaking a, a little bit, you know, on the second page of your free agents, depending on your format. So you might be able to wait one or two more games before making a move, but I think he's worth a speculative ad by now. Yeah, definitely fair enough. So there we go, Brian. That's all the content that I wanted to bring up this week. As we approach the new year, do you have any last thoughts? <laughs> Thanks for uh, throwing to me one last time. Yeah, last show we talked about Josh Bailey and his... Uh, yeah, well, exactly. That's what happened. That's what always happens with Josh Bailey. He had this exposure to Barzal and uh, like at even strength and on the power play. Well, not at even strength anymore. Jordan Eberle now playing with Barzal and Lee. And I, I hope we've done our job at bringing up Eberle for how good he's been on this last stretch. But if we haven't, uh, we're letting you know now that he has up to 10 points in his last 10 games. This is the month of December. We're talking about three goals, seven assists, 21 shots, uh, and now top line, top power play. So he is the next random New York Islander that you can stream in today and hate three days from now. Yeah, like you're not saying that you're expecting this to last, right? Like you just enjoy it while it does last, but any game he could get bumped. Pretty much. Like I think I still, who would you take between Van Riemsdyk and Everly? Van Riemsdyk. Yeah, I think I would prefer Van Riemsdyk too. I'm like, I've been over Everly for like a couple of years now. So it's going to take a <laughs> while for me to get back into uh, him. But James and Rizek, I've only been out on for a few months. So definitely, I'm still very excited to get back into him as soon as he's doing well. Uh, so Brian, anything else or shall we close out the show? Uh, let me check my notes. We talked about all the guys that I wanted to talk about this week. All right. Well, if there's anyone we didn't get to, you can obviously join our Keeping Carlson patron-only Facebook group. You can ask about any player, and Brian and I and all the brilliant patrons. Oh, and then you got Ben and Lewis from the Short Shifts. You've got Dave from the Scheme Scheme, Marcus from the Stat Attack. We're all there to answer your questions. Why are you, why are you laughing at me? Well, you said Dave from the Scheme Scheme, which was really cute, but you meant Stream Scheme. <laughs> uh, you guys all know. It's a very popular show. There actually wasn't a Stream Scheme this week, just because the schedule's so weird next week, so he'll be back next week. Brian, we I guess we do have some scheduling stuff to talk about, but I was, let me just finish my thought about the patron group being like, it's a great place to join. Now, guess what? You join halfway through the season of keeping Carlson, you become a patron, you get all the perks for half price for the rest of the season. Cause you're paying for only half of a season worth of perks, right? right but you're paying full price for the time that you get them. Well, yeah, I'm just trying to like frame <laughs> it in a nice way. So now you could just give us $5 a month for the next like four months. It's like 20 bucks. And you're going to get still all of the great perks of being a patron, which is joining the Facebook group, getting access to all the bonus content that we've been pushing out our show notes every single week i feel like there's even more stuff that i've always oh oh a big new thing we're gonna be having a some new leagues that we're gonna be starting like very soon like drafting early january for the patrons we're gonna try a mid-league draft which we've never done and we're going to, what you're looking at me like you didn't know this oh no i do know this but i think a really fun part of it is that they're called we're calling them cigar leagues right what does it stand for again oh no i was hoping you would remember <laughs> i have it written down it was Can't- like can't I get a no. Yeah, can I get a redo? That's can I get a redo? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's so fun. Yeah, it's going to be organized by Ryan M and Marcus, and yeah, it's going to be something fun for the patrons. And we will be talking about that more in the patron Facebook group. So another reason to join keepingcarlson.com/slash/patron. Get all the perks there. Uh, Scheduling notes. I think there's going to be one short shift next week. So you're going to get something dropped into your feed over the next five days. Then Brian and I are actually going to be taking next Sunday off. We're actually going to be having next Sunday the Keeping Carlson meetup. If anyone wants to join in New York City, we're meeting in Brooklyn and all the info is in the Facebook group where you can tweet at us at Keeping Carlson. If you're going to be around on the 29th, come hang out with myself and Ryan and Jade and some other cool patrons. So uh, that's what's going on as far as 
you know, subscribe. You're subscribed to the podcast, hopefully, so you'll just get the next episodes when they come. Everyone have a very happy holiday. Have a great break. Don't stress out too much. I think I, I could actually use these, like, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week where there's going to be no hockey action, so I could actually stop staring at my phone and pay attention to my family. So I'm going to try my best. But anyway, Brian, great job, as always, this week. And uh, why don't you go ahead and read us the credits, because I have just now... Queued up that outro music. Wow, the magic of producing. <laughs> this episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dabra Hockey and powered by our newest patrons, Ben and Shane. And not just new, all our patrons. Thank you very much. Uh, logo art by Brandon Weeb at brandonweeb.com. B R A N D O N W I E V E.com. And outro music courtesy of Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dauber Prospects, Natural Stat Trick, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, Charting Hockey, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Biz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, Roto World, and Yahoo! Great job, as always. Brian, very much looking forward to doing this all again with you in a couple of weeks, but I think we have some other fun things planned that I haven't even mentioned. So we'll, we'll talk soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great end of December. End of the decade. End of the decade, yes. Take us out, Brian. Hope you had a good decade. Take uh, us out. For this decade and for the next and for all decades after that, keep on keeping Carlson. You know that uh, my wife's parents, I, I'm like staying with them this weekend because I'm in Ottawa, and his dad was like, hey, Elon, uh, you probably need to start cha- thinking of changing the name of your podcast. That uh, Eric Carlson not doing so much. Like, it's like, Sense fans love crapping on Eric Carlson now. So, and I'm, I was trying to be like, yeah, you could probably blame it a lot of it on Martin Jones. And he was like, I don't know. Like, then I made a joke, which it killed. I was like, well, we'll just change it to be named after John Carlson. He was like, oh, oh, oh yes, he is very good. Does he know who that is? Yeah, he's a hockey fan. Wow. He's a big Sense fan. But not all Sens fans know who John Carlson is. How can you not at this point? <laughs> okay. All right, is the outro music still playing? I have no idea. Okay, bye, everyone. Bing! <laughs> that turns off the outro music. <laughs>